Heavenly Father, we thank you for Mick. We thank you for his preparation. We thank you for the inspiration that you have given him. And we pray that we will hear your words tonight through your servant. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Doug, and good evening, everybody. Um, it was some months ago during my preparation and prayer time that I have in the mornings that I said to God, well, at my age, Lord, can you still use me? Well, I guess he's answered that because that's why I'm here tonight. The other day, for some obscure reason, which I've never worked out, I got to thinking, how many sermons have I heard and preached, but mainly heard, given, I've come to Christ, uh, in coming to Christ, and experiencing the joy of sin forgiven. So what I'm trying to say is when I came to Christ, how many sermons to this very day have I heard? And you'll be amazed, as I was, it comes to nearly 5,000. 5,000 sermons I've heard. And I'll leave it up to you to uh, make your mind up whether it's made any difference to my life. Now, it couldn't have passed your notice how different sermons are. And by that I mean not only in subject, but in presentation. For instance, there's the sermon that is articulate, word perfect. There's the, the sermon that delves deep into the Greek, which leaves a simple soul like me feeling lost. There's the short sermon that comes straight to the point. And then, of course, there's the long sermon that I, I thought to myself that if you bottled those long sermons, the medical profession would have the cure for insomnia. But on that last point, the long sermon, I read of a, a lady whose name was Gladys. Gladys Dunn, D-U-N-N who was visiting a church for the first time, where the vicar there, I'm sorry about this, Doug, but the vicar there was known for his long sermons. Like the length, you know, the uh, and after a lengthy sermon, the congregation were exchanging greetings. And he's, he'd spoken for, oh, ages. And um, Gladys saw a, a parishioner sitting there all on his own. So she went up to him, offered her hand and said, hello, I'm Gladys Dunn. To which the parishioner pointed to the, the vicar and said, yeah, I'm Gladys Dunn too. Well, I'll try not to tonight to follow the, the vicar. Tonight, I've been led generally by the Holy Spirit to speak on the most important subject, second only to personal salvation. Get both of them, both personal salvation and what I'm bringing tonight are linked. And um, that being, as Christians, we're called, no, we're not, no, we're not called. We're commanded, we're commanded to be witnesses for Jesus, presenting the good news of the gospel to unbelievers at every given opportunity, God-given opportunity. Friends, I've been challenged by this word, and I want to 
I want to put that over to you that I said to Doug earlier that I find preaching, the word preaching, I don't like it very much. Uh, I, this, is a, this is a talk, but I've been challenged by what I bring tonight. I genuinely have. I've been challenged by it. Um, uh, fully appreciating that I need this. I do need this, what I say. The verses prior to our reading tells the amazing story of Jesus' visit to the Samaritan village of Sychar and his encounter with this Samaritan woman. She was a woman of dubious virtue, having had five husbands and was living with a man outside of marriage. She was despised by her neighbours. She was a, a broken, I believe, and, and I guess a very lonely woman. Her life had been broken by her own sin and by the sin of people she trusted. But you see, her life was changed, completely turned around when she met Jesus. So much so that she dashed back to the town shouting out an invite, an invite to her finger-pointing neighbours. Oh, this is wonderful, I find. Point, finger-pointing neighbours, neighbours that had scorned her. She called out at the top of her voice, come see a man who told me all things I ever did. And many of the villagers followed her back to the well where Jesus was. And I know for sure, how do I know? Well, I know for sure that many of their lives will change if you turn in your Bibles to 4 verse 39, you'll see there. But can I be so bold as to ask, has your life been changed? Have you had an encounter like this woman with Jesus. Now, I'm sure most, if not all of us, can say, yes, I've met Jesus. He's changed my life. He's accepted me. My sins have been forgiven. But you see, friends, if this isn't your experience, don't hesitate to ask, because Jesus is only a prayer away. A prayer away for you to know the joy of sins forgiven, the joy of a changed life. Ask him to come in to your life and believe me, it's the greatest and most joyous decision you'll ever take. I thought at one time the greatest decision that I'd ever taken was marrying my wife. Sorry, Miriam, if, well, I know you're watching, but uh, I'm sorry, you, you come second. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh dear, I've got to go home from here. But anyway, no, the greatest decision was asking Jesus into my life. But friends, as Christians, like this Samaritan woman, we all have a story to tell, a story of a changed life and a challenging invitation to give out. Come, see a man that told me all things I ever did. The God-given treasure you know of salvation that we have received is not a treasure to be hoarded. It's to be given out. It's to be given out. Some years ago, I had the privilege of seeing and hearing at the Royal Albert Hall 
that great gospel singer, Mahalia Jackson, a woman of great faith, a woman whose calling was to spread the gospel in song. On more than one occasion, she sang at the, jazz, at the Newport Jazz Festival. But when asked if she would sing the blues, she said, I'll not sing the blues. I'll not sing the blues. I'm not blue. I'm not blue. I'm not downcast because I have the joy of Jesus in my soul. But on that night at the Royal Albert Hall, among the many great spiritual songs that she sang, one did and still does bring conviction to my soul. And the words of the song said this, I said I wasn't going to tell nobody, but I couldn't keep it to myself what the Lord has done for me. And praise God, I'm so grateful. I am so grateful, so thankful that a man that I was verbally confronting, verbally opposing, was led by the Holy Spirit to calmly and simply explain to me the old, old story, how that Jesus gave his life on the cross of Calvary. Yes, for the world, but also for me, also for me as an individual. Told me of my need of a saviour and that if I asked Jesus to come in, all those sins that I committed would be washed away and my life would be changed. And, you know, I experienced, as the hymn writer put it, my chains fell off, my soul was free, I rose, went forth and followed thee. I experienced that. That's why I can speak from experience. Now, I haven't done justice to my testimony because time doesn't allow it. Many people are involved in my coming to Christ, none more so than my wife Miriam. But I ask myself, as I ask you, do we keep this story to ourselves, this story of a changed life, or are we prepared to go into the world proclaiming, come and see a man who told me all things I ever did? You know, in my experience, how easy it is to be a gospel holder. Oh, yes, I can talk to others about what a great church we have, but that saves nobody. That saves nobody. I can talk about what a great vicar we have. Don't, no, he's blushing now, but that saves no one. Tell of the great cafe we have, but that saves no one. Of course, they have their place, but singing their praises is of little value unless, unless the sole aim is leading souls to Christ. There are no substitutes. You see, friends, our calling above all else is to go into the world and preach, or if you prefer, tell the gospel. If we're expecting people to come running to us, you've got a long wait. You've got a long wait. For it's only as we 
take every opportunity, every God-given opportunity to witness, firstly indeed, and how we conduct ourselves, which is of great importance, but, but the overriding uh, thing is this, that the, as the early disciples uh, showed, uh, they went out and told people, told people, I remember a man many years ago took me to task over that. I'd preached on witnessing. And when I came off the platform, he said to me, you know what, Michael, it's not that, it's how you live. It's how you live. Well, it isn't. It's both. It's both. I know a lot of people live a really super life, but they're not Christians. They're not Christians. And if we want to see the kingdom of God grow, there's no other way than telling them it's God's way. Romans 10 in the Message Bible, or the Message Bible, he puts it like this. How can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it? Friends, that's you and that's me. It's taking that step of faith from knowing to doing it. I guess I thought to myself, I guess a lot of people are thinking who are watching tonight, well, I know this. We just don't know it. Do it. That's the answer. That's what I've told myself. I've known it for years, but I've got to do it. And you know, no greater example of this uh, is when the Holy of Holy Spirit witnessing is there in Scripture than on the day of Pentecost, when there was 120 people praying in the upper room, and when the Holy Spirit came upon them, they went out into the world. And what happened? 3,000 souls. Hallelujah. 3,000 3, souls got converted. Praise the Lord. And my prayer is, Lord, do it again. Do it again. But give us the desire to receive him, the Holy Spirit, into our lives because we need him. Friends, it's our calling. It's what the Bible calls the Great Commission. Please, I beg of you, please let us not let churchy things get in the way. Taking top priority, making the Great Commission become the Great Omission. Friends, let's not keep it to ourselves. I read this story, obviously it's not true, but how it spoke to my heart. After Jesus returned to heaven, the angel Gabriel rushed up to Jesus and asked if he had suffered terribly. Yes, I did, Jesus said. So now everyone on earth now knows how much you love them and what you did for them, said Gabriel. No, only a handful, Jesus replied. But Lord, how will the rest of the world find out? Why didn't you tell them? Why didn't you tell them? It's okay, it's okay. 
I asked Peter and James and John and others to tell them, and when they know, they will tell others, and soon the whole world will know. Gabriel said, but what if they don't tell the others? What if they get too busy doing church? What will you do then? What will you do then? Have you got a plan B? Have you got a plan B? I've got no plan B, Jesus said. He said this, and he's speaking to you, and he's speaking to me. He said this, I'm counting on them. I'm counting on them. And friends, that is what Jesus is doing. He's counting on you and me to tell others the good news of salvation, telling others, in other words, of our experience. It's what we read in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, that I mentioned earlier, entitled, entitled The Great Commission. One of the most challenging, I find, of scriptures for the Christian, it's a commission, it's not a suggestion, it's not optional, it's mandatory. I was in the army, and believe me, I know, I never heard one sergeant major ask me to do anything. Not once. He commanded me to do it. And so does Jesus. He commands you to do it. He calls all those that have given their lives to him and say that they love him to obey his command to go and make disciples of all nations. Likewise, in Matthew 10, verse 32, whosoever acknowledges me, this is so important, this verse, I'd never actually seen the real importance of this, but it says this, whosoever acknowledges me before man, I will also acknowledge him before my father. So what's the opposite of that? Don't acknowledge Jesus and he won't acknowledge you. That's the opposite. I've never seen that. I've never, I never took that in before. I must repeat what I said earlier because I've been challenged by this word. I really have. This word I'm bringing to you now. And may you be also challenged. You know, taking stock of my life, how easy I find it to discuss many things, such as music, jazz in particular, sport, such as football, bowls, boxing, films, etc. Oh, yes, I can talk to the lost about all these subjects, but it seems to me that telling them about Jesus seems at times to have a low priority. It shouldn't be like that, but it seems that way to me. If this, is, if this only applies to me, well, praise God for you. But I'm deeply challenged. I'm deeply challenged. Sure, I go to church. I pray for others, which is good. But when was the last time I, when was the last time we told others of the love of Jesus? When was the last time we invited someone to a church service? Not, not, only, not only to a a social event or a coffee morning or a games club, but to an actual service to hear the life-changing gospel preached. 
Perhaps what hinders us from telling others the good news is a feeling that, well, I'm only one person. I'm only one person. What difference can I make? Well, I did just wonder if the light of John Wesley ever wondered what difference he would make, or Billy Graham, or Charles Spurgeon, or William Booth, or Billy Bright, Billy Bright, a man with no theological college background. If you're not familiar with Billy Bright, get in contact with me and I'll give you a short introduction to him. Yes, they were all famous Christians, but they weren't when they started out on the Christian pathway. You may be thinking, well, that's all very well, but I'm not a Billy Graham or a John Wesley. I'm not as gifted. I'm not as gifted as these. I don't feel adequately prepared or knowledgeable enough to be a soul winner. Well, if you think that, if I think that, we're wrong. We are wrong. But praise God, we that have surrendered our lives to Jesus do have what it takes. We do. We really do. To turn, to, to win souls for Christ. We have a fourfold, as I see it, power in our army. We have the Holy Spirit to guide us and give us courage. We have the power of prayer to bring before the Lord those laid on our hearts that he will open their blind eyes and turn them from darkness to light, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. We have God's word, the Bible, which is profitable, it says, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That's 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. But last, but last, and certainly not least, we have the power of our testimony. We have our, our story. I have my story. Telling others what Jesus has done in our lives. Just like the woman at the well. After meeting Jesus, she hurried back to town, saying to those she met, come and see. Come and see. She shared her newfound discovery. She shared her story. Come and see a man that told me all things I ever did. In other words, it's just a case of share it and leave the rest to Jesus. And leave the rest to Jesus. For like the woman, we may never become professional preachers like I'm showing tonight probably. But I'm assured that God will give us the necessary strength and courage to spread the good news, the good news of the gospel. If, and it's a big if, if we put all our trust in Jesus and in nothing else. Now, I've gone on too long, uh, I guess. I, I suppose I'm nearly imitating that vicar I spoke about earlier. But I hope and pray that this word will indeed challenge your heart as it has mine. I want to close with the words of an old hymn that we used to sing in our church many years ago, hoping that the words are all our desires. It's got four verses, so bear with me. 
I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know it's true. It satisfies my longing as nothing else would do. I love to tell the story. Most wonderful it seems and all the golden fancies of all the golden dreams. I love to tell the story. It did so much for me. And this is just the reason I tell it now to thee. I love to tell the story. Tis pleasant to repeat what seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story, for some have never heard the message of salvation from God's own holy word and the last ones. I love to tell the story, for those who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. And when, in scenes of glory, I sing the new, new song, will be the old, old story that I have loved so long. I like to finish. I'm losing my voice. You'll be glad to hear, but I'm going to close in prayer now. May God bless us all as we serve him, encouraged in the knowledge that the task ahead of us is never as great as the power behind us. Help us, dear Lord, as we obey your command. Whosoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge him before my Father. Amen. God bless you all. powerful message everyone that was wonderful I just wonder if we could just take a few minutes just at the foot of the cross as we lift up to God whatever it is that he's laid on our hearts from mixed words this evening it'll just take some minutes just at the foot of the cross mm -hmm. 